Well, 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 well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 64 of Smoking and Toasting. This is the uh, radio program that is all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. My partner in crime is Ian Barry, and uh, welcome to the program, my man. How are you doing this it's week? It's so nice to see you. Look how lovely we're doing today. All no, these whiskeys on the oh, table. This we, is going to be believe wonderful. Me, we're going we're gonna to get to all of this, and it's going to be It's going to take it's half a segment incredible. just to say what we have yes, here. Yes, it is, and, and it's going to take even more than half a segment to taste it all. But boy, <laughs> am I looking forward right. to it. Um, this is show number 64. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are live today from Boss Cat Kitchen. We're at 4310 uh, Westheimer in Houston. We are not just live from Boss Cat, but we are live from the Whiskey Room in Boss Cat. And now, this is an impressive Now, room. if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can see one corner of one wall. Yes. That this, wall goes all the way around the this room. This wall goes all the way around the room, yes. I was going to tell them, amazing. apparently somebody's setting up for a party in here later, and they have these uh, large inflatable balloons, Giant one balloons. of which is blocking an entire wall of whiskey. <laughs> and I told them earlier, I said, you know, Balloons are nice and all, but know your audience. I don't want to see the balloon. I want to see the whiskey. <laughs> so, uh, so we're really thrilled to be here. Uh, Matt from Boss Cat Kitchen is here. He'll be uh, joining us, telling us a bit about this whiskey room, how it came to be, how they stock it, what what their thought process is. But he's only one of them. Not to throw any shade at Matt. But he's only one of our guests today, uh, because we also have Frank from Beam Centauri here. And uh, Frank has been on the program before, but this time he brought way more stuff. That's the only way I can sort of, uh, sort of explain <laughs> I mean, if, if this sets the bar, then we're just going to have to keep raising it. Well, That's right. Yeah. So, and speaking of setting the bar, we, because we knew we'd be doing a very whiskey-oriented show, uh, we invited our best whiskey friends in the world. Chris Hart and Yawante Curry are back on the program, and so look, look we, it's like it's like we're getting the band back together. That's right, I really it's a love this. Affair. Guys, welcome us. back. Thanks yeah. for yeah, thanks for having us here. I'm just glad to hear that we're your favorites. We well, <laughs> you know, yes, absolutely, you are. In your face, and, Wingo. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, just just so we're clear, we told him when he was on the show. That he was our favorite. Well, you guys I, understand, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm keeping tabs as to how many times he's on the show versus how many times we're on the show. But oh, so far, okay, we're good. winning. <laughs> okay, good. Now, they're bringing in some great food from Boss Cat and setting it all up, including something with a big fried egg on it. And I don't know how we're going to eat any of this stuff, but maybe maybe that'll be extra entertaining for the Facebook Live between they, the breaks. Yeah, they get stuff. to watch us between the breaks. That's yeah, going to be fun. The aroma that matters. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So it's been a, uh, a crazy week. I think we always say that, but it seems like it's been so busy. Now, we had a couple of those two-show weeks, Ian. This we was a one-show week, so it feels like I haven't seen you in forever. Is everything all right? So far as I can tell. I mean, yeah. no one's told me any different today. Okay. Good so I think I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I was wondering if you'd smoked anything interesting lately. I did, actually. I did. I, uh, I went back to my Black Works. Uh, I have this corner of my humidor that has a lot of the Black Works uh, and Black Label. Uh, company cigars and which I got a bunch of and I didn't want to review them all like, like <laughs> you know every, like every, every show every, every, every subsequent show so, sure. so I spaced them out a little bit so I tried out their uh, their uh, industry last time this time I tried out the Killer B which is a Lonsdale cigar. yes it's fantastic really oh Tell yeah I smoked it. it down to nothing um not knowing all the particulars on this particular cigar I smoked it, I'll tell you what my experience was. It started off, had a little bit of spice on it, immediately smoothed out. It's a full-flavored cigar all the way down. It's very, very, um, very, very uh, intense, but not 
not so strong that it's unpleasant. It's just a big, giant, full flavor. This thing smoked perfectly. It's a Lonsdale, so it's like seven inches long. It smoked perfectly till it was just about burning my fingers. I think these go somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, ten to twelve dollars. I'm going to give it a seven right off. The oh bat. wow, dude, yeah. that's a big, that's a big, spicy, score. wonderful like. Like the uh, mocha flavors were real big. A little bit of uh, like white pepper spice on the on the back lingers. It was just a fantastic smoke. So I just want to back up because you are. I mean, you are not one to hand out the big numbers, just just willy nilly. No, I'm a little stingy it with it. Yeah. So so right off the bat, you're giving this a seven. Right off the bat, I'm giving it a seven. And I'm so pretty this, sure that's what I gave that uh, industry as well. So let's let's make sure everyone remembers that the price to quality index, which I figured out, by the way, that if we add the word index to it, it sounds more like we know what we're doing. That's pretty sweet. So That's I think sweet. let's let's now refer to it as the price to quality index. Okay. People may write about it and stuff. There you go. <laughs> but the price to quality index, if you will, like a five is a, a good score. It means you got what you paid for. If you give something a six, it means you got more than what you paid. That's right. If you give something a seven, you're starting to rave about yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something where if I paid double what I paid, I would have been quite happy with it. Wow, that's a yeah. That's, see, so that's a huge endorsement. Just a great cigar. That's you can apply this. You can apply this. Uh, this scale. price to quality index index, or you can apply this index to almost anything <laughs> you're having. Uh, but yeah, right at five, you're getting what you pay for. I I call it a seven easily on that. And one. and we'll refer to it as the price to quality index or the PTQI. I love that. PTQI. Yeah. PTQI. PTQI. From that, now that sound, on. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very office space somehow. CPS <laughs> <laughs> reports. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, how about you? What did uh, you smoke? I had a great one this week. Um, I smoked the Rocky Patel Decade Robusto. Mm. And uh, it is a beautiful uh, box-pressed uh, Robusto. I noticed when I was looking up... That's it, old school. I was looking up some information on the cigar on uh, the internet to make sure that I had my tobaccos right, where the origin of the country of tobacco. And uh, noticed that this cigar may have come out in a non-box-pressed version initially. Uh, because it looked like I saw some Robustas online that were not box-pressed, or at least not as severely. This one was box-pressed like it was a square. It literally was uh, a square. Um, So my stepson, uh, Aaron's birthday was last week. The whole family went out to Candelari's. We had pizza and drinks and uh, watched the Astros win. And then we headed over to FM Kitchen and Bar on Shepherd in Houston to watch Nick Greer and the G's play live. And it was an outdoor show. Weather was beautiful. They had Lone Pint Yellow Rose on tap. I mean, what more do you want? This is this is like your recipe for this a wonderful is, night. Yeah, absolutely. So I pulled this baby out of my pocket and uh, lit up this gorgeous little Robusto Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Honduran binder, Nicaraguan filler, uh, and I've been basically. So I took the cellophane off of it uh, a while back and had been in the humidor without the cellophane. So this had been in my shirt pocket like the whole evening, and I kept sort of sneaking it out of my pocket and just, uh, <laughs> just enjoying the sniff. aroma. Yeah, um, I've been enjoying it all night, uh, rich earth and leather. Um, and then once I uh, punched the head and lit the foot, we were off to the races. It started off, started off medium-bodied and creamy, uh, but had a very flavorful finish to it, even right from the beginning. No harshness. You know how some cigars are kind of harsh for that first mm-hmm. uh, you know, half of an inch or so? 
None of that. It was just absolutely smooth and complex and interesting from the very beginning. There were notes of wood and leather, some spice, some nuttiness. It got a little fuller as it smoked overall, though I'd say medium bodied. Uh, and I smoked it also down to the nub. Finished it up just as the show ended. This is about a $10 cigar, which is somewhat pricey for a Robusto. But you can find it a lot cheaper than that, which I actually did with this one. I got it in a five-pack, and I think it was closer to probably seven fifty or 8 bucks. So... At ten dollars, the PTQI price. The PTQI that was quick. You did well. I'd give it a solid six, solid nice. six at ten dollars. Maybe even a seven if you could get it for seven or eight bucks. Now, Chris, I told you that I was reviewing this cigar before the show started, and you said you had some thoughts on it. So, and just to remind me, this is the decades or the yes, yes, the Rocky okay. Patel decade so review. So I, I, and I had mentioned this before at the beginning of the show. I had got into cigars when I first found my love for cigars. It was at a cigar shop in Humble. Humble? Humble? What's the correct? Humble? Either way. Either if way. you're from Texas, you don't pronounce the yeah. H. Correct. Yeah. I'm yeah. feeling so, humble in Humble. Correct. Nice. Anyways, I, I, I fell in love with them with the, the vintage 1990 and the 1992. Yes. And then going from there, I did the Old World Reserve, and then you get mm-hmm. over the decades. I think it's a it's a very great quality stick. And really, to me, if it's a it's got a solid draw, it's got a decent burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's under ten bucks. You can't price the quality index. It's hard not to to hit that mark. Yeah, I mean? it really is. So it's like that with a lot of whiskeys. You you non chill filtered or, or high proof or single barrel. All these things are like not. What's the opposite of a red flag? It's it's a, right. a green light. It's a green, <laughs> green light. light right. These are all great things. I mean, and I really, I, you can't go. I think they've oversaturated the market a bit with Rocky's line. He's he's got a lot. He does have a lot. However, yes, that core range is is pretty solid. Well, I, I will just mention that it it also passed another test uh, that we don't talk about a lot because we're not always in a position to to speak to it. But it was one of those cigars that you ever been somewhere where there's a lot of people outdoors and you're smoking a cigar and people stop and say. What is that great. cigar? That smells great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it uh, two people did that to the me. The room that night. Note, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know what? That's that's a uh, that's a lot to ask for actually because generally speaking people who don't smoke cigars don't walk by you and go, "Wow, that smells great." You know what I mean? It's a, so it has to be something that has a little bit of richness well, uh, to the in smoke. In general, right? even a great cigar still smells like a cigar. So yep. there's there's yeah, still but a bad, bad cigar. Yeah, it's <laughs> the the that's, yeah, that's really, really bad. It's the opposite. So, do you remember that bad, uh, bad beer taste off you guys did, where you guys rated all the horrible, basic light beers? No, oh, it's not no, necessarily that horrible. A bad beer taste. It, it was a light beer. Sorry, taste sorry. You remember light not beer our taste favorite yet. kind of yeah. beers. Yeah. You guys Uh-oh. should do a uh, version of that with cigars. With, with cigars, cigars yeah. yeah. I think the Rocky Patel Edge, those three four dollars sticks, oh, are, yeah. are phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. They really are. I, I, we've we've done before, and I I don't remember what show it was. We'll have to go dig this back up, and maybe we should do it again. It's been long enough. Uh, but Ian and I both did our top five cigars that were five dollars or under, nice. which is top yeah. five like discount. Uh, cigars and and you know I, that was I, like a year ago. Yeah, that's, it, what I, that's what I call my lawnmower range. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, like, was a fun guards. list. Yeah, it was a very fun list. So I have a feeling um, that a lot of what we're going to be sampling today is not in the lawnmower range <laughs> because we're surrounded by some incredible whiskeys. We'll be back to talk whiskey and talk the whiskey room with Matt, and uh, it's going to be. Uh, I'm glad we're sitting down for this show. That's all I have to say. Uh, it's smoking and toasting, and uh, thank you for joining us.
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toast, and this is the radio program that is uh, all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And just like to extend a special thanks to the patience of our uh, Facebook Live audience who's been watching us eat during the break, uh, which I, I think they posted some snarky comments about. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Sorry, guys, but this is delicious. <laughs> yeah, if you were here, you'd be eating this, too. So... Uh, that's just the way it is. Um, our program is designed to be all about craft beer and fine spirits and hand-rolled cigars. We're going to be live at the Big Smoke in Las Vegas coming up in uh, really just about a month now. And, I can't tell you how very excited, excited I am about, about that. Yeah. Uh, not just to attend. Just attending itself and reporting on it will be fun. We'll be doing a number of shows while we're out there. I don't know if we'll release it. We'll do them Facebook Live as they happen, and then we'll probably release them uh, you know, staggered across the next couple of weeks. But... Uh, what I'm really excited about is that we're lining up some special guests, mm-hmm. including we have at least a, a verbal commitment uh, from Nish and Rocky Patel to join us uh, on, on the program and, and talk cigars. So, yeah, I'm really stoked about that. That's going to be good. By the way, we want to mention that we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and uh, Restaurant in Houston at 1814 Washington Ave, opening in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth on November the 20th. And we're really excited about We love these guys. We're really excited about the November opening for Fort Worth and we will be planning a road trip. Yeah, road trip's definitely in the works. These guys know what they're doing and uh, and they have an absolutely wonderfully stocked bar. Speaking of wonderfully stocked. This, this, by the way, all fits into our master plan of finding new and interesting people and going new and interesting places and, you know, smoking and, cigars. And drinking and smoking. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the whole master plan. People have asked me before, why did you start the show? And I said it was really a very simple reason. Samples. samples yeah so uh so that was that was the whole idea behind it so can you call 10 bottles on the table samples? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh this has already exceeded our wildest dreams trust me uh now we're in a room basically surrounded by uh whiskeys whiskeys of all kinds and uh matt from boss cat kitchen is uh are you the guy that basically curates this whole supply Yes, I am, and, and uh, it's, it's a great job. Uh, first, I want to say we're excited and we're, uh, we're really thankful for you guys coming to enjoy this beautiful room, sitting here and tasting all these whiskeys and, and talking shop about uh, fine smoke and uh, great beers and spirits. Uh, but yes, I, uh, I get to stock these walls. This is, What an amazing job. Now, uh, this has to be, I mean, you have to have, uh, let me say this another way. Yeah. I'll ask the question. Is there a spirit on the wall here you have not tried? Yeah, as of right now, yes, there is. We just got some uh, uh, some allocations in, but that doesn't mean I can't pull it off the wall. You know uh, okay, saying? gotcha. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I do get to try most. Um, you know, there's always some new fun stuff coming out, as we all know. There's always uh, new stuff hitting the market, and, you know, I got to know my product, guys. Come on. Of course, you yes. Gotta know it. Just, I call it research. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Just yeah. out of curiosity, you want to take Curry. Is there a spirit here that you haven't tried? Uh, let's take a look. <laughs> And they'll kind of lay out this It's taking him that long to find one if there is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of the, the tricks of the trade. You know, when you do this a lot, you know, with Chris and with just friends and going to different bottle shares, it's kind of hard not to, to have a whiskey because in doing this with people like yourself, just anybody, people are more apt to share whiskey with you and a conversation with you than pretty much anything else that I can think of. It's different than cigars because while it's fun to like trade cigars with people, I can't just pour you a little bit of the one I'm smoking right. the way you can with uh, with the whiskey. If That's I'm, awkward. Even if you could, I wouldn't want yeah. you to. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to work exactly uh, the right way. Now, you guys have done uh, 
a couple of events uh, here at Boscat, have you not? Yeah, I mean, we, we've been here a few times. We actually shot a video, a couple of promo videos for our main festival. Uh, it happened back in May. We were working on planning the next one. It'll be sometime in April next year. <clears throat> but we, um, this place is just, the food is incredible. I mean, he brought out poutine. I, I've always wanted to try poutine. I've been to Canada a couple times. I never think about it when I'm there. And the first time I tried it was here with a few yeah. friends of ours, some guys from the Flight Tasting, a great review group here in Houston. And, I mean, you put a fried egg on it. It's got pork belly in it. I what's mean, not to like? What's not to like, yeah. right? So we love the food here. And, of course, you look at this beautiful room, and it's a couple hundred whiskeys. We're at, uh, at right now, we're closer to 300 whiskeys. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got our American spirits, our American whiskey wall here, Irish, Japanese, and Canadian, and then our Scotch blended and single malts over here. And we're, uh, if we don't have it, it means we're trying to get it, basically, is where we're at. Wow, nicely uh, put. To, to touch on the food a little bit, guys, it looks like there's none left, guys. Where did yeah, it all go? No, well, we ate it uh, <laughs> just, you know, to the pleasure of the Facebook Live audience, we ate it during the break. So We, uh, we always like to say we're a whiskey bar first. But we design our food around drinking spirits, and it, we have yes. we do have some uh, some some full rich food, and it goes pairs really well with uh, all different well, types of whiskeys. I, I love the idea, and this is I don't know if this makes us arrogant, uh, in or or just smart, but on a day when we're surrounded by all these whiskeys on the wall, we asked. You know, Matt, uh, Matt to come, of course, but Frank from Beam Centauri is here. <laughs> he brought whiskey. Um, Chris Hart, Yuante Curry are here. They brought whiskey. It's like we just don't, we don't know when to leave well enough alone. That's right. That's what it really is. Yeah, we've, we've got a little bit of a love affair with Beam, and more importantly, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is one of our early supporters, and I mean, what's not to like? One of my favorite all-time scotches in the world, of course, is Lafroy. I've got more at the house than anything else. And, of course, they cover the entire spectrum from Japanese to Canadian to American. Scotch. I mean, they, they cover all your bases. My job here is done. I don't even need to be here. <laughs> right? Frank, I will ask you this. Out of all the different whiskey segments that Chris just mentioned, what one is the most, like, is the hottest right now? What one is is really coming on? Is it, sure. is it single malt scotch? Is it Japanese whiskey? What is it? Um, you know, you ask a different person, they'll give you a different answer. Um, me working for Beam Centauri, I mean, half of our name is Beam, uh, which is Jim Beam. Sure. And, you know, it's uh, Jim Beam White Label is, is the world's most popular bourbon. So, uh, as such, we... We can't keep bourbon on the shelves. I think bourbon right now, particularly in the United States, is uh, just explosive. It's uh, in short supply. You see, uh, you see people clamoring over allocated items, but you also see people buying your good everyday bourbons in, in amounts that uh, double the year before. So um, I, th- I think he's right. I mean, depending on the region, you ask anyone yeah. from Houston specifically. Uh, it's all about it's bourbon. A, it's all about bourbon. Yeah. I mean, there are a few people who love their single malts. Like I said, I'm a huge fan, and Lafroy, I think, does pretty well here. we got Don Aiken, who's one of my favorite Lafroy reps. Uh, but bourbon is God right now. So yeah. why, why is bourbon so hot? Do you, can you <laughs> offer an explanation? This is just conjecture, but I think it has to do with our American palates. We enjoy it absolutely sweet. absolutely does. And for us, sweet bourbon is, is just brown sugar and maple and everything you love about American palates sugar that good vanilla you know? yeah mm-hmm. i think there's a sense of pride as well i mean uh, uh bourbon is ours like we can drink single malts but they you know they're from scotland we can drink 
uh, Irish whiskeys, but they're from Ireland. But bourbon it, it can only be made in the United States, and it's it's something we get to kind of attach ourselves to and, and call it our own. So. We did we recognized a couple of shows ago and did a toast uh, to the world's oldest man who lives in Austin and uh, smokes cigars and drinks whiskey every day. And he every was, day he was proud to say that most of his whiskey was from the United States, right? Was from uh, uh, from Tennessee and Virginia, so. I mean, there, there are a lot of great single malts that are made here, uh, but it's more of a secondary vibe. Yeah, it's that crafty uh, sort of, you know, look look at the cool, you know, sort of mini distillery stuff that we're doing. I, I fell, when I got into whiskey, I fell in love with Balvenie and Laphroaig and Lagavulin and Glenfiddich, those, those, those classic, when you think of single malts, you think of these brands mm-hmm. um, and hanging out with this guy right here we ended up getting into bourbon a lot more and then we got involved in a group here locally and bourbon just dominates everything so mm. you, we, you couldn't help but fall in love with it as well I think we're starting to see a lot of boundaries blurred too we're going to taste a whiskey today that has a single malt American made whiskey in it but it's from you know what we think of and know of as a bourbon producer so that point i'm sorry go ahead uh, i was just saying before we get to that i wanted to ask you about this thing that we tasted just before the show started but go ahead and ask your your question well i was gonna i I know what you're referring to and i and i'll agree i think that there does with anything whether it's cigars or single malts there is a sense of uh, snootiness that happens at some point Mm -hmm. with beers if you're drinking out of the wrong glass with cigars if you're ashing too early or if you're cutting with a zippo or lighting with a zippo the 19 types of beer snobs (laughs) the same thing happens with 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 whiskey and a lot of people are bourbon fans and if it's not bourbon it's less than you know not necessarily bad but the mentality and i think that you could really buck that trend with a really solid high proof product i mean there are Plenty of uh, balconies is, you know, they they don't they make one bourbon, but m- their most popular product is corn whiskey. Right. So getting outside that realm and, and dipping your toes outside your comfort zone, you find stuff that you never thought was delicious, and now all of a sudden you're being introduced to something fen- phenomenal. Frank, what was this that you uh, got us started on before so, uh, before the show? Because this yeah. this deserves to be talked about. Sure. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I'd love to talk about this one because uh, what we started with is a, a brand new uh, whiskey. And I have to be careful how I say this. It's not a bourbon. It's actually whiskey uh, uh, from Jim Beam um, called Little Book. And Little Book. Little Book. A uh, l- little bit of quick history on that. So um, Beams have been making uh, bourbon for o- over 200 years now. And it started with Jacob Beam and then to Jim Beam. And Jim Beam had a gran- uh, great-grandson um, uh, called Fred No. Uh, and his dad was Booker No. And Booker really started the small batch series, which is... Knob Creek, Basil Hayden, Booker's, Baker's, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fred's son, Freddie, uh, kind of exciting bit of news, was just announced uh, officially as the eighth generation master distiller of Jim oh, Beam. Very cool. And, Congratulations. Yeah, very, <laughs> yeah, cool. very cool. And to commemorate that, he released his own whiskey, and it's called Little Book because that was his nickname that Booker gave to him was Little Book. Little Book? Um, wow. Well, this was, I thought was really exceptional and, and really kind of moved right towards where my palate is with uh, uh, with whiskey. So I want to come back and talk about that one uh, just a little bit in the next segment. And then you mentioned something else that we were going to be tasting. What was that, what was that again? Because that, that sounded amazing. Uh, was a single malt with... Oh, with so the, the single malt's actually a component in Little Book. Uh, oh, a little okay. teaser. A little All teaser right. for you. Oh. So we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Smoking and Dustin, and uh, I'm going to have another bite of this burger.
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toast, and this is the radio program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, uh, opening November 20th. Road trip, road trip, road trip. We got a plan. I think it's going to be we're December. Smoke cigars the all the way up there, and smoke cigars yep. while we're there, and then smoke cigars all the, all the way, way back. back. I think that'll be a great plan. I think that'll be a fabulous. Sounds plan. phenomenal. We'll have to toast when we uh, get there. Toasting the on way, a road is awkward. By the way, I feel like I have to. You know, on a show like this, when we're in the whiskey room at Boss Cat Kitchen, and we're surrounded by such awesome and amazing whiskeys. And we've talked about, you know, your cigar and my cigar both were a little pricey that we that we talked about. We've, we've It really feels like we're sort of catering to the elite here as in, in some ways on today's show. So let me, let me balance that out and bring it back down. Um, we've talked about this a couple of times in the past couple of weeks and never gotten to the story. So let's just, let's just do it right now. Generic craft beer is here. Generic craft beer. Whether you like it or not, it's here. If you go to a Costco, you can buy in the beer section a case of beer that says craft brewed ales, and it's got Kirkland on the box. You know, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's the Costco brand, brand right, name, right. Kirkland, right? Um, less than a buck a beer, which is pretty good for any craft beer. So I was reading a guy online that was had written an article about going in, buying a case of this, and actually trying it. And in fairness, we haven't done that, and that's something we'll have to look forward to in a, in a future show. We're going to have to make that happen. Uh, buying yeah. a case? And, and by the way... Try it? Well, yeah, you, you have to. Less than a dollar a beer. Buy, I buy a six-pack. I buy a six-pack. Yeah. Well, but not at Costco, Costco, you don't. Oh, yeah. Costco, you can Costco. Costco. You can buy a truckload. Oh, no, forget <laughs> about it. Yeah. And it was $4 for You all can all get it in a case, or you can get it in a pallet. That's it. There's nowhere in between. Pallet is usually the acceptable amount. Yes. That's right. Um, so uh, the case that uh, this guy uh, bought online um, consisted of four brews, an IPA, a session IPA, an American pale ale, and a German-style Kolsch. All the beers in the Kirkland line are brewed by Bricks and Barley Brewing Company in Wisconsin, which apparently uh, has a you know, pretty good reputation as a, a very good a legit, you know, brewery. A legit brewery. A right. legit craft brewery? They specialize, actually, it seems, in producing beers for grocery stores in the Wisconsin market. So they definitely, even though they've got some cred, they definitely are sort of in this, we produce for the secondary market sort of a thing. So the guy says, as he had expected, the beers were drinkable, if not very distinctive. In a word, he says they're pretty generic, which kind of makes sense since they're generic craft beer, right? The Session IPA, he says, was the best, light with a hint of bitterness. The American Pale Ale was almost indistinguishable from the Session IPA, <laughs> but less bitter. The Kolsch was the mo- most unique of the four, uh, sweeter in a European mold. Uh, along with the Session, he says it was his favorite. So the only one he really disliked was the Straight Ahead IPA, which seemed to be bitter, he said, for the sake of being bitter without any other uh, distinguishing flavors. So um, so there you go. This is uh, uh, this is something, you know, I think we're going to see more of this. I mean, we, that's we craft, talked about, like, back in... That's craft beer at the price of a Lone Star. Yeah. And we talked about this back in the, uh, you know, back in what was the uh, early to mid-80s when generics became a big deal at every grocery store and you could walk in and buy those white cans with black lettering that just said beer. beer. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but I never bought any. So. You know, I worked, uh, I've always worked at music stores and at one of the music stores I worked at years ago, they used to rent uh, horns, like orchestral instruments to the kids. And one of the major brands, this is no lie, was Jean Eric. I just thought that Eric. was funny. <laughs> nice. So do you, 
uh, is the thought that it's not craft because it's for a. I think it still falls under the definition of craft if it's not a big beer company. Uh, I, I mean, I would agree with you. You know, making it so small yeah. distillers. Yeah, uh, small distillers. Contract distill all it's the time. Craft. Remember, I mean, we're spoiled because we think craft beer. We think, oh, this is going to be a better quality than mass produced. But craft doesn't necessarily mean that. There's going to be some craft beer that's just not that good. In the good. state of Texas, right. craft literally means less less than what eighty thousand barrels yeah, a year. I think that's you right. Could be yeah. a complete trash company, and and not that they're. Not that I'm thinking of anything specific, that was wrong. but I just, I just, I just, I just, trash in the air. No, no, I, I get it. I just mean that it doesn't necessarily mean good, but to the average consumer, craft you think special, you think unique, you think artistically done, beautiful, great. You think of a better product when you just like mm-hmm. when you hear organic or non-GMO or right. You think of it as being a gluten-free. Better thing. Yeah, although I, I generally order extra gluten. That's just me. Uh, it's like putting the word custom on an assembly line yeah, model. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, craft is just going to become another one of those words that appears in the uh, the, the the yellow uh, jaggedy starburst thing yes. that goes oh, on yeah, the absolutely. corner. And it's, it's just it's like know, in the music like world, small batch. Right. In yeah. the music world, it's like the word alternative. Like right, it used to be, if alternative meant something really different from the mainstream, and now it's just kind of the way a particular chunk of the music business is described. You so, know, everything so becomes genericized. It just looks like beer is going the same way whiskey is. It's going Absolutely. sourced. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that's true, I, and I think I think you're going to see more and more of that as uh, that a chicken and an egg scenario. Thing. Mm, that's debatable. Right, which came first, whiskey was doing it first, or beer was doing it first? I think beers, the beer scene's been around a lot well, longer than whiskey. Beer, beer, beer got to evolve quicker. So you know, you can uh, open a brewery. Uh, and close a brewery quicker than you can open a bourbon distillery and close cost it because so much higher. Yeah. costs so That's much true. higher, and you have to right. wait yeah. at least you know well, two you years for the a same bourbon. aging. Sure, yeah, yeah. Right. right. So well, that's really that's really fascinating. So you were telling us about this little book, yeah. Uh, how uh, so? This is how long is this age now? So so this uh, this particular batch um, is is so. First of all, I need to kind of back up. Okay. Each batch is going to be a little different. Okay. So, uh, well, I love I, that, though. That, right, that right. just makes it like that much more interesting every time it's released. Right. And, and we actually took a different approach at this. So this isn't a single-aged product. Um, and, and, again, a little bit of history. If you go back to, like, a, a Canadian whiskey, mm-hmm. they actually make whiskey a lot different than we do here in the United States. They tend to make a, a single-grain uh, expression, and then they blend them after the fact. So they can independently age uh, each... Uh, expression and, and then blend and that's really um, and I'm not saying that we took a cue from from Canadian whiskey but that's sort of the approach that we have here this is a blend of four different whiskeys um, that are all uh, so there's no neutral grain spirit or anything so mm-hmm. it's not a blended um, you know whiskey in the cheap sense of the word but the each individual whiskey was selected and aged independently so uh, starting oldest to youngest, there's a 13-year-old corn whiskey in this. Okay. There are five-and-a-half-year-old single malts, so 100% barley made at Jim Beam. Uh, there is a five-and-a-half-year-old full rye, and then a four-year-old straight bourbon. Wow. So uh, all four of those are combined to create what's in this bottle. So um, very different, particularly coming from the Jim Beam side of the family, because we don't usually do things like that. Right, uh, we're right. usually a very much straight bourbon, more traditional, possibly um, a finish. Yeah. You know, right. that kind you've of never thing. done that, right? Though, what's that? I've never done that. I can't think yeah, of a single no, expression no, where you've done something like that. But isn't no, this never. becoming much more uh, the way that things 
are tending to be done now that that the the year age of the total product is becoming less important than oh you mean how in regards to no age statements yes, yes. that yes. is becoming a standard for sure mm-hmm. uh, i thought you were talking about in terms of bucking the trend and instead of just releasing a bourbon product blending a product which right. which really is uh, been very well established and done in scotland yeah, years, years, yeah. and years and years and years and years. But as far as no age statements, you're correct. But yeah. that's just. But that's well, just if you kinda, blending is such an amazing art form anyway. I mean, how can you exactly. imagine? It's, a, it's like being a chef. You take these ingredients, right, and you create this one thing out of it. Well, if you're trying to blend something that tastes the same or similar year after year after year, and your components are just always like changing, cigars. that's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a crazy art form. Well, it's and just when fascinating. You come up with this, how can you argue with that? Like, yeah, I, like I don't care how you have to label it. Right. That's delicious. And and what's what's very uh, what I find most interesting about what's in this bottle, this particular batch again, next time Freddie releases his uh, next whiskey, it's going to be different. But if uh, if you take a look at what the components I just said, a corn whiskey, a malt whiskey, and a rye whiskey, those three components are the mash bill that you would use to create a bourbon anyway. Right. So rather than uh, leave it to, you know, sort of chance after the mash, uh, he's sort of played with the idea of crafting the bourbon after it's aged versus creating a mash seeing how it ages tasting it and deciding oh that was a good mash bill or not and and a little bit yeah, yeah a little bit like and yeah. and also I, I don't know if anybody 13 year old corn whiskey yeah i was yeah, i was kind of no kidding yeah, yeah. You know, that's really old typically when you're making 100 percent corn whiskey you're making it for a, a sort of commodity type thing and it doesn't need to sit around that long so some interesting things happen that we don't uh, normally get to to experience i've tasted each of these components separately yes and you know uh, i wish that's the way the bottle came with four little separate right. shot glasses you, you, but you mix them you just drop yeah, the shot right? glasses in <laughs> so what was that experience like like did you enjoy them separately or yeah, is it yeah. one of those things where they're not nearly as good I, as the finished product. So, so they're all enjoyable. Uh, it's definitely one of those situations where the sum is greater than the whole of its parts. Um, you know, wh- like what I married. found... Yeah. <laughs> what I found most interesting was the addition of the four-year-old bourbon to it because uh, you, you can kind of... You can tell that the 13-year-old corn by itself, uh, while delicious, is one-dimensional. And you can tell that the other ones, while delicious, are one-dimensional. And together they also appeared a bit one-dimensional and by adding a bit of four-year-old straight bourbon to it it just kind of locked everything up Brings and made it special yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's going up. back to the sugar profile that american sweetness throwing yeah. in throwing in spoonfuls of four-year-old sugar mm-hmm. it's Basically. just it's going to really just make it pop well and you said it it's very much like cigars it's very much you can have mm. four very sort of like one-dimensional tobaccos and you put them together in a, uh, a perfectly blended cigar, and they just like cause each other to bloom. Is the best way I now, can say. Yeah. Is this aged at all after it's blended? Nope. It's uh, so straight it's, up. It's, huh? it's vatted, and uh, you know, as a matter of fact, we asked Freddie himself that question, <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know. Uh, I guess it's sat overnight." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the kind of aging that right, I right, right. Yeah. because I'm so impatient. That's fresh whiskey. Right. It occurs to me that for a show to be surrounded by as many whiskeys as we are right now, even as many as are on the table. We have done a really poor job of actually getting in there and tasting. So we're going to do a segment coming up where we really do some tasting because we've only tasted the one. Uh, we'll, we'll really do some tasting here. Plus, I want us to try Revolver Brewing's Harvey Relief Golden Ale, and that'll be coming up in the next segment. You are listening to Smoking a Toasted. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to Smoking and Toast, and we are surrounded by whiskey. And that's not a bad place to find yourself, by the way. Uh, we are live at the Boss Cat Kitchen at 4310 Westheimer in Houston. And found out about this place actually when my uh, business partner, Pat, who we've mentioned on the program before, uh, came over here for dinner. He walked in the whiskey room, and he, came, he like called me that night and goes, you got to see this place. Nice. Like So that's how we first got... Uh, Hooked up with these guys, and we've been talking about doing a show here for quite some time. And thanks to Matt from uh, Boss Cat for helping put this together for us. So, so we want to get to really seriously tasting some whiskey this uh, this break or this uh, segment rather. But first, before we do that, uh, we had talked earlier in the show about uh, some special beers that have been uh, put together for Hurricane Harvey relief, and one of the places. That was the first to do it was Revolver Brewing, which is from Granbury, Texas, up near Dallas and Fort Worth. And uh, Revolver has actually put out a Harvey Relief Golden Ale, and it's got the uh, I'm, I don't know if Facebook Live can see that uh, that up close, but um, we'll it's got the Hurricane up. logo with the Red Cross sort of cross right in the middle of it. And it does say it's a Golden Ale, and it does say that 100 percent of all profits. Go to relief charities for uh, Hurricane Harvey, which Kudos I to thought was really cool. Yeah, uh, they describe it as uh, brewed to help. It says an easy drinking golden ale made from two row malted barley and hopped with uh, Sophia and Citra. Cheers to people helping people. I just thought that was really cool, and thought we wanted to support their product by talking about it on the show today and encouraging you to get some. But I haven't tasted it yet. Generally, while I'm describing the beer, you're doing research, so talk to me. I was doing research. This is light, crispy, delicious. It has some breadiness to it and uh, and hoppiness. It's It actually goes down way too easy. It's a little hoppier like, than I would have ex- maybe expected for a golden ale. IPA. Yeah, it almost. Got but, a very but it doesn't leave a hop bitter in the mouth like... Like a lot of IPAs do. Definitely so doesn't it's, linger. It's like kind of hop yeah. in the middle, not not at the very end. It's definitely a, a it's a serious beer. It finishes yeah. a little more malty, almost. I think. Yes, like malty I with a with a crispy bitter. It's like it's like bready with some citrusy stuff. I don't know. How are you <laughs> well, feeling about it? Nice Frank? technical term. So uh, this wasn't what I expected. By um, you know, we we taste with our eyes first, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was going to be a, a you know a Juicier, a little more visca, vis, viscous, 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 yeah, a little bit more of, uh, of that weight, cool. but uh, but it's uh, kind of pleasantly light, um, yes. and and refreshing, and it's still got you know some of that uh, that juiciness. It's got that lager crispness, yeah. yes. yes, even though it's an ale, uh-huh. it's a very crisp yeah. bite to it. It does. It has is a very almost almost Kolsch like uh, yeah. uh, yep. quality to it. Yeah. Sure. Reminds me of a, uh, something you drink during a hot summer while mowing the yard. Well, wow, we're back, back to mowing the yard again. Back together, all comes back together. Does anyone so, in here actually mow their own lard? No, I do. <laughs> I, 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 I live in a high rise. So. I do. It used to be a great getaway from the kids and you know just the noise. You know, I just haven't had time. I live in a high rise, and the last place I lived that had a lawn, the lawn was so small. I would say it was going to mow, but really, I was breaking up the well, meat if, eater. If you yeah. go, yeah, right. if you go out on your balcony and look over your lawn, it's actually Discovery Green. Yeah. Well, that's right, and they have someone who mows. That, right, so, uh, fortunately for you, uh, yes, fortunately, that's that's <laughs> absolutely right. So, uh, well, kudos by the way to Revolver Brewing uh, for doing the Harvey release. I think one of the first uh, beers we had on the show was Revolver's uh, Blood and Honey. First one I remember I was the Blood. Still and Honey. buy that stuff yeah. regularly. It's so, so good. good. So good. Great so, beer. Uh, yeah. And they're another uh, Revolver. One of the best arguments for 
like this big beer buying craft beer is not necessarily a bad thing because they were bought a year or more ago by Miller Coors. And they're still putting out amazing quality products. So that's a weird uh, it's tough. dichotomy there with the whole oh, it is. big brew thing. By right. the way, some people well, actually go you know, completely against the grain when you sell. They don't want to do anything They treat with it like product. a sellout, yeah. but if you had a, a small business and then you had the funding to do everything you've dreamed of, mm-hmm. I, I would think it's a good thing. It's well, t- it's if tough. you had a band and then you got popular, are you a sellout? You start selling records? It, it depends on what the band does. See, I, I used to call that the amphitheater effect. Like, it's cool or to the go Green see, Day effect. Yeah, right. It's cool to go see the band. <laughs> see? See, this, and here we go. And here we go. Yeah, right. yeah but no, you're, you're 100% right. By the way, while we're on the subject, because uh, we promise to update everyone on this uh, each show, the Take Craft Back movement, which is trying to raise uh, $216 billion uh, dollars I absolutely to laughed. buy uh, Anheuser-Busch. Uh, as of this morning, $2,962,810. It all starts with the first 1%. I, that's right. I'm just that's happy right. about that old movement. I can yeah. do a lot with $2 million if they like end up not knowing what yeah. you Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, could, you could launch a great craft brewery. That would be awesome. You could pay a lot of that uh, uh, Kirkland's. Well, yeah, <laughs> a whole lot of the Kirklands. Uh, so let's uh, let's move on and taste some. I don't know what uh, what you poured here, uh, but during the break, you poured us our next uh, our next whiskey to sample. So uh, the next thing I poured, well, at least for a couple of you guys, is uh, our Knob Creek 25th anniversary. Uh oh, sorry, Chris. It's okay. I, <laughs> I have I'll just, just hand you the bottle because he's I know way better. over there being left out. Um, so uh, you know, we were talking about sort of you know the the latest generation. Yes. Um, this. This barrel was laid down when Booker was still alive, which uh, is a, a pretty neat thing. Uh, you know, when we're talking about heritage and family legacy um, in in the bourbon world, so this uh, so it's 25th anniversary. But don't let the big number on the front of it uh, get you caught up. Let me get the exact age off the bottle because it's in some some years and months and things. Uh, so we're looking at um, this was barreled on uh, February 25th of 2004. So. Um, we're we're just out over thirteen years There's on this. Not exactly twenty fifth, but yeah. Right. Well, but it's twenty fifth anniversary of of Knob Creek. So of the um, brand, yes. And, and and for a little bit of back history, Knob Creek when it came out was the like this was supposed to be the return to the pre prohibition style of whiskey right. after prohibition. You know, we we suffered uh, sort of this. Uh, let's get some whiskey out quick and let's uh, drink everything that comes out. And and we lost that sort of full full uh, full bodied, lots of flavor, uh, big bold uh, uh, essence of, of what bourbon used to be. So Knob Creek in general as a line is a return to that, and this is just sort of an extra special version uh, of of Knob Creek. Ian, I noticed you were already doing research, and you got a pretty big smile on. It's your actually face. extra special. I have to tell you, yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. The the nose on it, like the sugar and the uh, and the brown sugar that you were mentioning earlier, like right up front in the nose. Um, it rolls right across the palate. A little bit of heat going across. Mm-hmm. A little bit coming back up at on the aftertaste. And just leaves this wonderful kind of burnt caramel aftertaste that like makes you want more. Yeah, you're at one twenty one point nine on this batch. So. It's pretty yeah. amazing. It's actually, higher than their typical single yeah. barrel. I'm actually going to try this again with just a little bit of water. If you'll oh, yeah. do yes. that, actually, I think that's a great you idea. Talk, you guys mm-hmm. mentioned this in the last one with uh, the Balvini guys talking about adding a little water to it to open mm-hmm. it up. Um, I have I have mixed feelings on that, but I will say when you get up to the sixty percent and the one hundred twenty proof. 
that a, a couple of drops really does really take does. off that front end edge and lets you really open it up. Brown sugars, tons of oak. Uh, I love people like to say the the word over oaked. I think that yes. Knob Creek is really good about a great charred barrel flavor in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly yep. enjoy it. Yeah, I've I've seen some, uh, you know, I've tasted some really old Knob Creeks. I feel like this is a really good sweet spot for the, for the extra age on Knob Creek. And, and, you know, on the water thing, it's kind of interesting because when we talk to, to, I mean, the people in this room, we're in our own little bubble. Uh, we love full-strength whiskeys as high as proof as possible. But when, when the average consumer is out buying this, there's absolutely nothing wrong with proofing it down to where you like it. Oh, there's and nothing I think, wrong yeah, with you I drinking it any way you like. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a real right. snooty thing back I, to the... I generally like a couple cubes of ice, like small yeah, no cubes problem. of ice in my whiskey uh, no most of the time. I will tell you, I just added a little bit of water, like just a straw full of water to this. And you mentioned the oak. The oak blossoms. Oh, yeah. It like as soon as like I did crazy. that, it's like oak all the way across the palate now. Stave in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. It's really remarkable to me how much the flavor profile, I don't want to say changed, but shifted. Yes. Like, yeah. It's like it shifted just to the left, and for my particular palate... It shifted in exactly the direction that I would want it to. Well, see, like, I love it, with and that's just one that of the reasons. Splash of water. Like at home, when I pour whiskey, I generally will pour it neat like this, and I'll taste it. And you do a couple sips like that, mm-hmm. then I add a couple cubes of ice because I like the dynamics. Of first, I get to taste it neat, then I get to taste it cold and mostly neat, and then that water starts to sure. Then you get the dilute starts to dilute, dilute it yeah, down okay. a little bit, and I get to taste it through all the different levels of how watery it is, that's and. Right. And it just to me, it's a journey through the whiskey that just I love that. That's, I didn't. That's like my story, favorite way. I didn't bring the story with me today, but I did read a story recently that there is now basically scientific evidence for water improving the taste of certain spirits at a molecular level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That there's yeah. that they can show you basically scientifically why this would be. A preferable yeah, it's, thing. It's all about molecule size and how those molecules fit into the little pits and valleys of your taste buds and your yeah. tongue. Uh, I'm cool. just like, leave it to the scientists to like right. try to explain just, I like that better. You know, <laughs> My favorite, my favorite little uh, water story is actually one uh, Fred No told me when uh, I'd first started at Beam. And he told me a story of how his dad would drink whiskey, which was to, to go to his bottle of Booker's. It wasn't even called Booker's at that point. Uh, and he would fill up a pint glass, about three quarter full of whiskey. Then go over to the faucet, you know, the tap, and uh, add a, add a little bit of water, and then that would be his glass of whiskey for the morning. Brilliant <laughs> morning for the morning. Yes, I right. love this strong so, pour. You know, we talk about adding drops to our little Glencairns, but he was, uh, you know, good a good faucet pour in the yeah. pint well, glass. <laughs> I just, this this has, uh, you know, with the water opening up a little bit too. Uh, it has a little bit of a. Um, mineral flavor that comes out that i really enjoy as well so that flavor you're talking about i think at least to me i taste it more prevalent in wild turkey products it reminds me of a copper pot still right 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 it's got a bit of a maple uh, vibe that comes out in it as well so all right so we're going to be back for our final segment here and what i would like to challenge the whiskey guys in the room here is if we've got time based on what we're surrounded by and what's on the table in front of us if we've got time to taste three more whiskeys, what are they? <laughs> Think about that. I'm going to go home. And we'll be back. It's smoking and toasting. On the beach in Hawaii.
Welcome back as we pour whiskey uh, to smoking and toasting. Uh, this is show number f- uh, 64. We are live from the Whiskey Room at Boss Cat. Our program is brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Avenue. Mm, bacon. Uh, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, opening November the 20th. Fort Worth, prepare yourself for bacon. Bacon. That's all we have to say. Yeah, if you're listening, if you're listening to us in the Fort Worth area, the bacon... Bacon. Just, just, get just the remember bacon. we said bacon. bacon. That's all I have to say. All right, so we wanted to taste uh, three uh, whiskeys in this final segment here, and so we've uh, sort of opened up. And I think we were having a great conversation about this during the uh, during the break. And I think Chris thought we were already in the next segment. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, all so on air. I'd love for you to repeat the. Uh, how you came about this uh, bottle of Laphroaig. So I'm a bit of a fanboy for Laphroaig, which is probably why I love Frank so much, but it's... One of the reasons. Okay, we I'm thought a, it was his winning uh, personality. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. In his dapper dress. But no, yes. I, I'm going to repeat what I said to the break for those who didn't hear, but basically um, one of the downsides to getting into whiskey is finding out that they offer a bunch that, that aren't available to the U.S., so I, it sucks because you want to try this new thing. You're excited to try something new, and you find out you can't get it. But I actually found a website that would ship me a bottle of this, and this is Laphroaig Four Oak. It's cut to 40%, which I believe is their lowest proof yes. offering. Everything before that, I think, was 43 was the lowest they offered. But it's a uh, it's it's been matured in four different casks, and every time you add a new cask to that that process it kind of smoothens it out a little bit kind of makes it more mild less of a punch in the throat the way that Lafroy is known to be well this yep. is pretty peaty i can tell you just from the it, nose yeah Lafroig, you know we we pride ourselves on pete um for Lafroig. um what what you know it, for those of you who may not know the the peat is the way we dry out the barley uh and Lafroig has a sort of unique approach there's uh, so we have a brand called bumwar where right. we would uh, start a nice hot peat fire and dry out the uh, barley over that. Lafroig is a little different. We start a nice hot peat fire, uh, then we do the equivalent of stamping it out with your feet, uh, and then you know when your campfire just smolders, right? Just sitting there with that right? smoky smolder, right? Thing. And we dry dry it out with that. And it wow. being an isla malt to to boot, you get the salinic quality, you get the the, the earth, the terroir. Um, peat's actually one of those really interesting things in spirits where you get some terroir. Right, because um, typically that sort of thing is more of a out. wine thing. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have we have. For those of you who don't know, Pete is moss. Yes, yes, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, a if you've ever moss. done a hanging basket, it's that it's that <laughs> yes. stuff around well, the outside. It's, it's a little different basket. than that, actually. Yeah. So those peat bogs mm. are actually you have these big open landlocked fields that have no erosion. So what happens is when this grass dies, it partially decomposes. New mm. grass comes up. And you've literally got thousands and thousands of. What, I think it's a thousand years for every foot. Every uh, yeah, inches. it's. Uh, I think it grows a mill, uh, half a millimeter a year or something. Oh my god! So like you, that, yeah. you go down a foot, you're literally going back a thousand years, which wow. means this glass, what you're drinking, took a thousand years to make mm. in theory and practice. I it, noticed it doesn't say semi-rotted anywhere on right? the label. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, that's it, what it is. It's partially right. decomposed right. Right. plant Jeez. matter, yeah. and, and you know anything else that's in the environment, whether it's plant matter, animal matter, the salt from the ocean. Um, that's that's what gives each of Someone the peated whiskey. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Which I have to somewhere. say, by the way, whether you are a, a creationist or an evolutionist doesn't really matter. This is one of the most beautiful things about this either created or highly evolved planet yes. <laughs> on which we live. Yeah. That things like this all come together 
to create this kind of wonderful subtlety in a product that's so amazing to consume. Right. It's tremendously unlike what you think of when you think of whiskey. And my favorite part of it is after you empty the glass, smell that empty glass. Yeah. It yeah. is so perfumey and, and, and aromatic and and, and it's it, it takes a while to get used to peat, but once you get into it, it's it's a beautiful yeah. thing. I love Lafroy. You're, you're the peat man. Yeah, you're the peat man. <laughs> I so. love Lafroy. Uh, I've had friends smell the Lafroy and tell me it smells like a band aid or a bunch of other things that sound bad. And um, it's peaty. This is not Fisher Price, my first scotch. No, no, for sure. Uh, this is something you develop a taste for after a while. And, you know, you try a lot of different single malt scotches and you get some peat here and some peat there. You start to recognize the flavor and then eventually. You learn that flavor, and you go, okay, I want to try more of that, and then you end up at Lafrague. Yep, absolutely. Because there's a lot of it. Yeah. Chris, you mentioned yeah. uh, it during the break that you actually bought this online on a website that you had to use Google to translate the... Uh, yeah, the Netherlands. Yeah. There's yeah. a website in the Netherlands that got it and... Uh, Got him to ship it to to me in the U.S. and it's it's fairly reasonably priced. I was just say, what bottle. did it cost you for a one liter bottle? Uh, I bought. I think it, it should be about sixty dollars. Okay, it, it, I want to say it was around fifty. Yeah, yeah, it could I be. I bought it with yeah. a PX cask and a and a one liter quarter cask. There, there's an easier way to obtain these bottles. Talk to me. Uh, so you plan a really amazing European vacation. Oh, I like this. You yes. spend all your money on the European vacation, and then you know you bring it back uh, annually. Uh, What's a couple hundred bucks after you spend all that money on a European vacation? So what are the legalities, actually, <laughs> right. of bringing back bottles like this so you on bring, uh, the plane? It's totally free. legal. You can bring back up to three liters, I believe, into the United States, okay. as long as it doesn't exceed the, the $600 value or whatever it is. Um, if, I'm not going to say I never pay attention to that because we're being recorded. It, but them, right. they're going to ask <laughs> you. Yeah. So right, so I know uh, uh, we need to probably pour our next yeah. whiskey yeah. if we're gonna, if we're going to hit our three. So yep. uh, why don't we jump to that? And I just will mention while we're doing that that uh, I do this with craft beer when I go to different states to visit a friend or uh, on business or whatever. I'll go shopping for I'll look for stuff that I know is not available to us here in Houston, Texas. Uh, but I'll get a whole bunch of it so we can review it on the show. But what I do is uh, I. Well, let's just say I, I, I find a, a way to get it home that doesn't involve bringing it on the airplane. Not that I would ever put it in a box and ship it here, because that would, you know, that would be a, you know, highly controversial way to do it. But well, uh, if you get caught, so if yeah. uh, to your point, you say plan an amazing vacation, right? But if you spend all your money on this Netherlands website, you won't have any money to go on vacation. True. but they'll still ship it to you. Uh, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg issue, I That's suppose. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a cycle. <laughs> what are we tasting next? So uh, next up is, is something. Uh, well, again, something completely different. Uh, we're going to move away from the peat, so you might want to cleanse your palate with something, but. Um, Might have sh- should have done that one first then. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so this is this is something you don't see a ton of, although they're becoming more prevalent. This is a single malt from Ireland. So uh, done in this you know single malt Scotch style, Thank you. but done in Ireland. And Ireland's got some unique attributes. And uh, for me personally, and for the Tyrconnell line, which is uh, what this is part of, uh, the stills in Ireland are are very large. And it, I think as a whole, it creates this very fruity, uh, light-bodied uh, whiskey. So what we're going to drink next is the 16-year-old expression from Tyrconnell. So again, you don't get a lot of, uh, of, of really old Irish whiskeys these days. Uh, there, there's a few from other companies like Redbreast. Um, but on, on the whole, 
they're they tend to be a younger whiskey. A younger so whiskey, getting right. a sixteen year old expression is nice. Um, this one's all in ex bourbon uh, and uh, first fill. So you get you get a bit of the sweetness from the bourbon barrels, uh, but you do this pervasive fruitiness. Uh, I, I don't like to give tasting notes out um, because I feel they're influential. But for me, this is uh, biting into a nice green pear. Well, I was, uh, yes, I, I was, was going to say to apple and pear, yeah, uh-huh. and um, man, this is really, really nice. Yeah, this this is a spectacular <laughs> bottle. It's an LTO, oaky, very oaky um, too. Yeah, yeah, it's still got a lot of that. Yeah. that and, and you don't get a lot of that oakiness from the Scotch side or the Irish side because we're using second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth barrel fill barrels, um, but. You get a lot of it out well, of this. So, yeah, somehow this does make me think Irish when yes. I drink it. And I, maybe it's the power of suggestion. You know, you talking about it. Maybe it's the fact that I'm, you know, five and a half seasons into watching Ray Donovan. I don't know. But, <laughs> but either way, you either way you look at. It. And by the way, he goes through his fair share of whiskey on the show, yes, and I've always does. wondered. Like, uh, I wonder if there's like a an Irish single malt that would be his uh, his favorite because uh, you sometimes you can recognize. Uh, the label on the bottle oh, yes. that he's drinking, and sometimes you can't. That's so, right. Uh, right. Uh, but it, anyway, very interesting though. Th- I, I love this flavor profile. This, Me this too. is like pear and green grape, absolutely, and, and very, oak. Very, yeah, and uh, what do you like, call them? A lot of uh, what, what do you call those types of fruits? Esters. It's it, yeah. this is really you good. don't normally think of whiskey as having that kind of a pear. fruit profile. Yeah, yeah. You know, you think pear. of that more as like a wine thing or. Right. Uh, uh, maybe some other uh, some other uh, different kinds of spirits, but that it just it just works. I don't even know how to uh, this to make explain an incredible it. Incredible cigar pairing. Oh yes. my oh, yes. god! I, I, yeah. yeah, I bet this, this is amazing. Yeah, wow. this this is a really neat bottle. Um, and and we'll so we'll release a new uh, high end LTO. Uh, sorry, that's industry speak for limited time offer. Uh, every March. So this was this March's, um, and uh, you know it's I think next year. What does this bottle uh, retail for? It's hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Wow, well worth it for sixteen. That's delicious. Well worth it. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, I know we're going to be probably rushing the clock here. So why don't you grab us our last one while you're pouring that? Let me thank uh, the guys here at Boscat Kitchen at forty three ten Westheimer in Houston uh, for allowing us to uh, do the broadcast here. For allowing us to be surrounded by such wonderful bottles of whiskey. And with just a moment left here. Let's see if we can't uh, taste. I'll I'll zip through this real quick. This is a really unique offering. We're going to go back to America uh, from the small batch line at uh, Jim Beam. And this is a Basil Hayden Dark Rye. Oh, my. Um, You know, again, we were talking about experimenting with the Little Book side of the family. Uh, This, again, is not a bourbon. It is a uh, blended whiskey, uh, but in a really unique way. So what we've done here is we've taken a full rye Kentucky whiskey, and we blended that with a Canadian rye, and then we've added port. And it's I don't very mean, impressive. I can totally get the port. Yeah, it's, port. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not, on it's, the very end of it, especially. Yeah. Wine it's not all day. port finished. It's got liquid California port in it nice. as a component. Wow. Wow. So, That's um, terrific. A lot more like a cocktail in a bottle than you know a super straight whiskey. So we do have to wrap up our uh, portion of the program for Radio Brave. Let me thank everyone for being here. It's been a great week. So much more to come next week. We did run out of time for sampling uh, the Mumford & Sons IPA. We'll try to get to that next week. But uh, in the meantime, thank you guys so much, all of you, Thanks for, for having me. Thank you. This has Definitely. been terrific. We're going to continue this for a few more moments on Facebook Live. But to the rest of you guys, uh, cheers. Cheers. Have a cheers. great week.